Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. Today is Sunday, March 8th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined by the man coming off a GPP win last night, as he usually does, uh, the red hot Mr. Mike Apatria. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing well. I'm doing I'm doing well. Uh, well, well on, on one aspect, you know, my uh, I didn't do too hot on FanDuel. Actually, a couple of my, uh, you know, I, ancillary lineups did okay, but most of my single entry kind of busted over there on FanDuel. But I was bailed out by DK. Uh, just different yeah. kind of construction, different pricing. We always talk about it. You're not just, you know, taking one lineup from one site and bringing it to the other exactly. So I was able to get on a few other pieces that I wasn't on on FanDuel, and I, I did pretty well. So uh, I'm looking looking to keep that momentum going. We had a couple good calls that we talked about on the show. Uh, you know, Bazemore, my boy Bazemore finally came out and played. Sure uh, did. So, so that was fun. So I'm, I'm overly excited. Uh, looking forward to tonight's or today's slate. we got multiple to look forward to today, so. I'm, I'm hunkering down, I think, Coach. Oh, that's beautiful, man. It's And we talked about it uh, pre-show here. It's it's odd because we're going to go over uh, the 11 games on the slate. Uh, there's the first lock at 3 o'clock Eastern, and the last lock is at 9, 9 p.m. Eastern. And there's a sort of an afternoon slate. There's two games that start an hour earlier than normal, and then all the, the night games. But uh, between FanDuel and DraftKings, they're offering all kinds of different contests from all day to single entry, uh, single games, you name it. So what we just decided to do is uh, go over all 11 of them. We're going to fire through them uh, to get this done so that we get it out there in time for everybody to really uh, have a chance to listen to it for both slates. And then we will be uh, selecting the two slates that have the best content uh, contests and we'll put that information out there on Twitter and in discord. Uh, and we'll be releasing dual lineups uh, today, one in the afternoon and, and one for this evening. So man, we got the day blanketed. It's an odd Sunday really to have this much action. And then tomorrow Monday is dead as a doornail with just three games. Strange. Yeah, it is. But we got to take advantage of as much basketball that we can watch right now. Uh, you know, with this whole virus thing, we got to worry about yeah. there, there being basically a, a, like a, a fan lockout. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we're, no one's going to be able to go to the games and watch them. They're going to be re- doing them in gyms. And I saw a funny tweet where they're like, does this mean uh, I think it was uh, I don't want, I don't want to mess up his name. Greg, he's a good buddy of mine. He writes over for actually DraftKings, Basketball Monster, a few other places as well. Uh, he said something like, does this, is, does this mean that the Lakers aren't going to have to play Kyle Kuzma, that he's not going to actually play? Uh, uh, and I thought that was pretty funny because it's kind yeah, of yeah. what it's turned into. They just play him because it's L.A. and he's one of their guys and he's he's popular. So it's crazy, <laughs> man. You know, it's I, I read something, too, where LeBron says he won't play in empty gyms. And then it's like, what? You know, what? I don't know what's going on with this thing. It is it is really weird. Um and we'll just have to see how it all plays out. But uh, I can't remember anything like this in my lifetime, this this bizarre. There's been little things, you know, we had, you know, Ebola and SARS and a few different things. But this one seems more of a epidemic than, than any that I can remember. I think it's just a lot more. I don't I'm not going to sit here and act like an expert, act like I've done a ton of research, but it just seems like it's more like much more of a common, like, I guess, strain where it's just it's spreading rapidly. And it's, you know, some people are downplaying it like it's not a big deal. 
but it is, you know, it, it affects the elderly uh, and, you know, the young, uh, those that don't have very, you know, well-developed immune systems anymore uh, out tremendously. So that's that's kind of, the, you know, the danger in it. And it's, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of the people that are kind of you know, being affected by it in nursing homes and and other spots like that. So it is an epidemic just because it's not an epidemic to you. A lot of people are just acting like it's just the regular flu. It's not the regular flu to everybody. So no. uh, it, it, it could do some damage. And, and that's why, you know, everybody's taking these precautions and they're preparing for it. Doesn't mean it is going to happen, but, uh, you know, it's going to be prepared. and we, we can't, you know, you know, fault them for that. No, there's no way. Well, at least we know Mike Pence is in charge of the whole thing. So we, we should be good to go. <laughs> um, uh, and I want you to know I showed my support for the poor old folks over there brewing that Corona beer. And I bought myself a little 12-pack of Corona yesterday at the grocery store just because I feel bad for those guys. Because <laughs> the, the, the bad rap that they're probably taking right now. You were talking well, about that. Unfortunately, marketing you know, one of the highest um, Google things in this last three weeks is I told you this before, but it just kills me is. Can you catch the coronavirus from drinking Corona beer? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's oh, terrible. <clears throat> it is insane, man. But that, unfortunately, is the world we live in, brother. All right, we're going to go like we we have made the decision, and I know we said this probably 87 times over the last year, but this time we're going to do it. We're going to bust ass and take names and go through this thing and do it in a good rate so that we're not putting out another small movie or actually big movie. But uh, here we go. I'm not playing around today. We are DFSCoachTalk.com. Look us up. Join in. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DFSCoachTalk. And we are going right into a long list of injuries and player news. But I'm going to fire through it and save my comments for when – we get to the games. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, here we go. Alex Caruso for the Lakers, probable. George Hill, 50-50, questionable for the Bucks. Marc Gasol, 50-50, he may suit it up. Same thing with his playing partner, Fred Van Vliet, who is questionable. Uh, extremely doubtful, Giannis. We all know he tweaked that knee. I cannot imagine that he will play today. I uh, hope he's not out for a long period of time, uh, but it was a pretty bad tweak of that knee. Uh, Davis, just the old 75% probable, which means he's going to play, so you can count him in. Rashawn Holmes, we know he's back. He's confirmed again. Brandon Knight is in. Uh, bench player Nikhil Alexander-Walker for the Pelicans is out. Ryan Archidiancano is questionable, 50-50. Keelan Martin for Minnesota, doubtful. Cam Johnson and DeAndre Aiden are out for Phoenix. Doug McDermott for Indiana is uh, doubtful. Does not look like he will lace him up. A uh, guy that's been playing well, Jerome Robinson, is questionable 50-50. That would be nice news to get. Unfortunately for him, it's a sore Achilles, so we need to watch that one. Uh, Seth Curry is out for the Mavericks. Alfonso McKinney and Tristan Thompson are both confirmed in for the Cavaliers. Dorian Finney-Smith, 50-50. Tim Hardaway Jr., also 50-50 uh, questionable. 
as is the Indiana duo of TJ Warren and Victor Oladipo, both listed as questionable, and Malcolm Brogdon is already ruled out. So big shakeup in Indiana there. Um, Jay Crowder is out for Miami. Gordon Hayward looks like he'll return as probable for Boston. Garrett Temple remains out for Brooklyn. Dennis Smith Jr., questionable, may be able to get back uh, today. His other point guard buddy, Frank Nitalikina, is probable. Uh, Lonnie Walker for San Antonio is questionable. And Marco Bellinelli and LaMarcus Aldridge are both out for San Antonio. And then the last one, and it's a big one because it's the first game of the day, is Mr. Zach Levine, who is questionable 50-50. How is that for buzzing, buzzing through it, bro? We've got a good pace. we got a good strong pace, man. we got to keep with it. All right. We're going right into it. First game uh, of the day is a 3 o'clock Eastern. I hope everybody set their clocks ahead, by the way, last night. Uh, it's a 3 o'clock Eastern game. It's the Chicago Bulls at the Brooklyn Nets. I just got fresh lines, so we have them all. Uh, so let's hit this first game. We've got Brooklyn minus 5.5. The total's 221.5. Implied total for Brooklyn, 113.5. And the Bulls, 108. What do you see in this first uh, outing of the night, of the day? So you, you said it right at the end of the injury report. Uh, Zach Levine is probably going to be the most important injury news on this entire uh, you know first half day of the slate, the early games. Uh, we're going to need that. We're going to want that. So uh, I'm going to take it as though he's out. I think we know how to adjust pretty much once he's back in there. He, he absorbs a lot of usage. I wouldn't expect a full uh, you know workload of minutes after missing a few injuries. I think it was a groin injury, if I'm not mistaken. So not something you just generally like rush back from. Uh, so I'd expect probably about high 20s at the most uh okay. probably probably not going to play him if he does play so um if he's out though we can look at kobe white again it's just hard not to keep going you know, going right back to the well with him uh the usage has been there every single game that levine has missed where we saw another 21 shot attempts in the last game going against indiana put up 40 dk points he's just going to keep shooting uh you know and that's, that's his price sure. tag if if he's going to be knocking him down anywhere between a 40 and 50 percent clip we're looking at like a nice six to seven to eight x return and on the nights where he's struggling, he's still getting us pretty close to five, so he's not really burning us either. So he'd probably be my favorite target to look at at the on the Bulls. Uh, you know, we can we were talking about Wendell Carter Jr. the other day. Uh, he's yeah. kind of working himself back in. Um, you know, the the Bulls have kind of came out and said that they're you know pretty much ready to lift that minutes cap. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they're just going to go out there and play him 37, but that's just saying if they need to play him, they could play him. Um, I, I do like him. It's obviously it's the center going against Brooklyn. I'm going to mention him. Do I do I fall on him? Probably not. Um, but it's mostly because the guy on the other side that I have interest in. And I, you know, transition time. Pat myself okay. on the back. Uh, I have interest in DeAndre Jordan on this slate. Uh, Forty nine hundred. Wow. On DK, I think he's about almost very similar price over there on Fanduel. Forty eight hundred. Uh, you know, all these rumblings, Kenny Atkinson leaving, you know, there's different speculations coming out and, you know, whether it was because they were benching DeAndre Jordan behind Jared Allen or whether it's because they moved, uh, Torian Prince to the bench and all these other crazy things. And the bottom line is it's hard to read between these lines, but we really don't know the truth. And it, it could very well be something like this. I like this matchup regardless, but if you're telling me that it, this could have had some of the reason, uh, and now there's a new coach coming in there. He, he's he's bound to probably play a couple extra minutes, in my opinion. So I'm looking at that. I'm taking that little narrative kind of thing into consideration. Okay. I like the price tag regardless. 
Uh, there's not a ton of center options that I'm overly interested in anyway. And this is just a good matchup. So even if he does get his 20 minutes where, you know, he only shoots once to three times, he still puts up 20 to 25 on those uh, days on most uh, on most of those days anyway. So that's kind of the approach I'm taking. Levert's still a great option. He's underpriced on FanDuel. He's getting a little bit priced up over there on DK. But, uh, you know, until Dinwiddie can kind of show that he's ready to take some of the reins back, it's got to be Levert over Dinwiddie for me. Uh, the fact that he's small forward eligible on DK uh, surely helps as well. And that's probably it for me in this game. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be looking at too much more. That's good stuff. The only thing I forgot to mention was uh, pace of play. Chicago's 16th, Brooklyn's 9th. And uh, defensive efficiency, Chicago 15th and Brooklyn 8th, which I respect those numbers. Those Both teams playing decent defense better than they have in the last two or three years. Um, Money's going on Brooklyn. They just clicked to minus six for minus five and a half. So I don't know what if that means uh, Levine no, noise, if he's completing the shoot around or what the deal is. But when you see a line move this early, it's generally because of a player uh, player situation. So I'm going to just go over for fun and redo this to see if we got Levine info. Uh, if they put that up there yet. Um, no, not yet. So let's keep an eye on that. Because for me, it makes all the difference in the world in this game. I'm, I've am i already determined that I am going with uh, Karis LeVert on the Brooklyn side. I think this he's on FanDuel. He's the right price, and he's been consistently uh, done a great job. And the wings have not been guarded as well by the Bulls. The Bulls do a great job guarding the point. Um, so I'm, I'm going to shy from Spencer. Plus he's been a little cold. Um, so it's very simple for me. The only guy I'm looking at on the Brooklyn side is Levert on the Bulls side. It has everything to do with that announcement. Um, if Levine is out, I'm a hundred percent play on Kobe white. If Levine is in, I'm probably not going to go, uh, with any bulls at all and, uh, and then move on down the road. So that's it. Pretty simple on that one. Let's uh, go to game two, which is the game everybody's waiting for uh, for this for today. It's a, a 3:30 Eastern game, and it is the Los Angeles Lakers at the Los Angeles Clippers, which means they're both playing on their home floor. So that's pretty cool. Um, the the Clippers are actually a two and a half point favorite, which uh, Lakers have not been dogs very often at all this year. Uh, the uh, total is only 225 and a half, which isn't bad, but uh, fairly respectable total, uh, strictly based on the fact that they both play such good defense. Um, the implied for the Clippers is 114, the Lakers 111 and a half. And then, of course, defensively, you've got uh, solid, solid teams here with the Lakers third and Clippers fifth. So that's the, the big question is, you know, do any of the stars really blow out and, and pay off salary or not? And then on top of that, the pace is going to be great, uh, 11th and 8th respectively. So I know everybody's going to be watching this game. It's a national televised game. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of high-priced guys here. This is probably going to swing at least this early slate, uh, or if you're playing an all-day, this could be an important game to either – fade some of the guys or load up here uh this is a tough one michael 
I, I'm I'm kind of taking the easy approach with this one, uh, you know, and not trying to overthink things too much. I'm taking okay. salary into account. I'm taking, you know, actual uh, defensive matchups into account. And uh, it, it's kind of writing itself out for me. I'm more interested in the Clippers. It's just bottom line. I know the Lakers were basically looking at only two guys night in, night out. That's LeBron James, Anthony Davis. I'm not taking those guys out of play. If I have interest in one of those guys more than the other, it's Anthony Davis. Uh, but I like Kawhi Leonard, you know, more than all three. Um, including Paul George. I think Kawhi Leonard is probably going to be my favorite play uh, in this game. He's underpriced on both sides, only 9,200. Uh, he's performed well in this matchup. We always see him kick it up an, an extra gear, uh, turn into robot Kawhi in these kind of matchups where you know you're going to have to probably get all four quarters out of every star in this one. Paul George still playing a little hobbled. You know, the Clippers kind of want to limit his minutes if possible. It's going to be tough to do that in this matchup, but you got to expect right. Kawhi's walking into this one knowing that he's going to shoulder this load, and this is an important game for him on their home court, like you said, for both teams. So it's going to be a very interesting game. I think Kawhi Leonard's got to be my top option. He's really, in my initial build, the only play I have from this game. I have, uh, you know, I'm working some secondary builds um, where I'm able to get another stud in there where I have uh, Davis and Kawhi. Uh, but I'm, I'm toying around with it right now. But when push comes to shove, Kawhi Leonard's my favorite over uh, out of the bunch between Davis, LeBron, and Kawhi. The, the cool thing is going to be who's matching up with whom. You know what I'm saying? Um I would assume Kawhi is going to guard LeBron, um, but is who's going to guard Kawhi from the Lakers side is the question. Um, what do you have any feel on that? Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a mix and match. I think it's just going to be, you know, a little bit of throwing whoever's kind of out there on him. It's going to probably be, you know, LeBron on Kawhi to start, but at points it's going to be George uh, or uh, LeBron on George. It's you know, Kawhi is going to be getting the advantage. You know that they run him at the four a lot, so he's going to be tasked with maybe getting a hand in front of Davis's face for a little while as well. So that's what kind of why I've taken the approach. We know that on the Lakers side of the ball, that uh, you know, walking into the Clippers, the best advantage that they have is taking advantage of the front court, and that's kind of why I'm looking at Davis over LeBron. And regardless of whether it's Kawhi or Paul George, even Paul George hobbled on LeBron is two of the best defenders in the NBA. Yes, LeBron, right. LeBron James is LeBron James, but uh, you know it's just kind of like that of like that inner rule. If, if they're going against Rudy Gobert, we usually take him down a peg. It's the same thing if you're going against the Clippers and you're playing the wing. I'm with you, man. And you know we're actually on the same wavelength here. I think the best play of this game is Kawhi for multiple reasons. And, you know, I just, the, the defensive matchup, et cetera. And, uh, you know, on the Lakers side, if I can make it work, I'd like to play Anthony Davis because, you know, I think he's just going to shine in this matchup. I don't think they really have anybody uh, on the Clippers side. I think that's their weak spot with defending. So, you know, if I can just somehow come out of this game with both Kawhi and Davis, I am going to be happy as I can be. So other than that, I, I just I think the fact that LeBron has to face Kawhi a portion of the time and George a portion of the time, man, that is that's a tough one to kick in the teeth. So um, that's I think it's that simple for me, man. We're, we're thinking the same. Don't forget Morris. They'll probably throw Morris at him when they need to as well. And Morris isn't a slouch either. He's not no, necessarily he, Kawhi and George, but it's a very capable defender, and he's oh, yeah. actually guarded LeBron a lot throughout his career. And I guarantee you he'll, like, poke him in the eye or kick him or, you know, he's going <laughs> to agitate the crap out of him. There's no doubt about it. So uh, it's not going to be what you would call a fun day, I think, for LeBron. But, you know, he is LeBron. So who knows? Maybe he just jumps all over all of those dudes and just dunks it and and uh, says, eat my shorts. Who knows? But – Oh, I'm quick sticking. thinking. 
Yeah. I'm 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 a little bit behind on this one. I forgot to mention it. It's actually from the Chicago Brooklyn game, and it's kind of one of my sneak uh, secret squirrels. I totally Uh-oh. glanced over them. Uh, and I wouldn't expect a huge monster game, so take this as a grain of salt kind of thing. This is one of those scenarios where you're trying to get Kawhi and Davis in there. You need a near min salary guy. Uh, Timothy Luau Cabrero. He's been playing some solid minutes over the past three games. He's played 29, 27, and 31. Uh, nice. Scored 24, 12, and 30 DK points. So he's you know got hit hit at least five to six x in two out of those three games. So. Uh, with Garrett Temple out, he should probably continue to see decent minutes. So I just wanted to mention him. It's not like, you know, not mentioning him because it's like, make sure you got to play him. Uh, but if you're struggling to find value, he's out there. That's a good point. And I did not realize that he played that many minutes the last three games in a row. So good call there. We will let you have that as your secret squirrel right off the bat. Early squirrel gets the nuts. Um, all right. Game three, or as we promised, we keep rocking and rolling today. Uh, we go directly to the New Orleans Pelicans at the Minnesota Timberwolves. This game is fat and sassy, buddy. How about 247 on the board, which is the biggest total of the day by quite a bit, actually. Um, you've got the Pelicans, a seven-point road favorite. Uh, they're getting so much respect in spreads. It's I guess they're just getting a lot of action in Vegas. Uh, like I said, 247. How about these two totals? So the Pelicans 127 and the Timberwolves 120. I mean, that is some serious stuff there. And I, I, I get take a guess at uh, the 120 total implied for Minnesota. Guess how where that ranks in individual team totals for the day? Uh, it's got to be first. No, it, well, 127 for the Pelicans is first. Uh, well, we caught me. Third, fourth? Second. You were right on the right thinking, bro. So this not only... I thought you were trying I, I to throw something at me, like sneaky. That yeah, I'm just trying to bust you. <laughs> trying to twist your brain here in the morning. But it's the I haven't seen a game this year where the two totals, implied totals for the two teams, were the top two on the entire board. Usually the first one, obviously, if it's a high total, will be, but not the second one. So I just thought that was something worth mentioning because as I look through here, you've got an implied for the Bucks of, of 117, the Heat 118. Uh, the Rockets are right with them at 120, but uh, so they're actually tied there. But it's, you know, like I say, the bottom line is I bring that up to say this game is going to have a boatload of DFS points floating around wherever you can see them. And a lot of that has to do with New Orleans' second pace now, Minnesota's fifth, <clears throat> and then defensively they stink, 20th and 21st. So this, if there's been a stackable game in a while, you know, if this game stays close and it's only seven and it's in Minnesota, this could be stack city, I think, for the early slate. And maybe even for the all-day slate, because I don't know if you're going to find a better atmosphere as we go through the rest of these games. Yeah, no, this is picture perfect. You hit the nail on the head. You know, these teams, actually, I believe they just played not too long ago. So we kind of saw a little taste of what this matchup could look like. And 
Uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, it didn't disappoint. It was like a 139 to 134 game. So there was plenty of fancy love in it. We got to have a ton of exposure to this. Uh, I'll start with the Pelicans, the away team. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking to have at least two of these, you know, main four guys that we always talk about in my lineups. Uh, right now, my top favorite plays I'm leaning towards, it's got to be Lonzo Ball, just the way he's been playing. We talked about D'Angelo's, D'Angelo Russell's defense just the other day on the show. Uh, still a fair price, 8K. He came out and he showed up against them in only 33 minutes last time. And uh, the most impressive part that I, that I like to see wasn't necessarily that he did it in assistant rebounding, which is generally how he's doing it. He dropped 26 actual points on them. So he found his way to the basket plenty of times. He shot 9 to 12 uh, overall, and he found his stroke that day. He shot 10 three-pointers, and he's actually been shooting pretty pretty well from three. Over the past yeah. few games, uh, you know, it looks like he's taken about 28 three-pointers. Excuse me. <clears throat> knocked down 17 of them. Uh, have you noticed how much his form has changed? It doesn't have that quirky, weird thing. Whoever straightened out his shot did a hell of a job. Cause... Yeah, I need to go with that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe, you maybe and me we'll... both. <laughs> so uh, I'm, he's, he's probably going to be one of my pillar plays. I'm going to have a ton of Alonzo Ball. The second guy I'm looking at is Ingram coming off of an awful shooting performance, shot 420 from the field. Anytime we see that, I kind of just immediately gravitate towards it because the odds of a guy shooting 420, we, we talk about it all the time with Jason Tatum on those days where he goes like 1 of 16. Yeah. Uh, he I had a 1 solid. for 19 game, if you remember. <laughs> yeah, when you see those, and the next game he probably followed up with 50 DK points. He did. Uh, so I'm going to have some interest in him. It's just an overall great matchup. It's a great matchup for everybody on New Orleans, but I like the price tag. I like the eligibility. I get him at small forward on DK, small forward and power forward eligible. Uh, and he played pretty well in this matchup before. It's not like one, you know, like Lonzo where he came out here and just lit the world on fire or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I still prefer him. I think at this point, they're pretty close in price over Zion. Uh, and Drew Holiday is taking a back seat right now to Lonzo, it seems. So I'm going to keep playing Lonzo over him. So that's kind of how my lineups are building. They're building themselves a little bit. Uh, and then on the Minnesota side of the ball, I like uh, I like Mike uh, Mike Beasley, Michael Beasley, Mikhail Beasley. Mm-hmm. I'm saying uh, Malik Beasley. There we go. All the Beasleys. Be- I give me all the Beasleys. I like his price tag on FanDuel. Uh, a little bit more than on DK. DK, I might not get to him, but 5300 over there on FanDuel. That's a fantastic price tag. He kind of had a little bit of a, a nice performance in this previous matchup as well. Um, you know, Russell is also a great option. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, I can see playing Russell. I'll probably have him in, you know, from building three lineups, I'll have him in one. But right now, just the price difference between him and Beasley, knowing how I want to spend some of my other money on this slate, I already said I'm going to spend up on Lonzo. I'm going to be getting Kawhi Leonard. Might be, I'm going to probably play some Karis LeVert and Ingram, where I'm just not going to have the money for Beasley or for Russell. So um, Beasley's one of my top options. I'm going to want one of those front court members, whether it's Juancho Hernan Gomez or Nas Reed. I think both those guys are rock solid options. Reed's really been putting some a string of uh, you know good games together. I think he had yeah. about two double doubles in a row where he had about at least 35 uh, fancy points. So uh, <clears throat> as of right now, I'm leaning Reed more on FanDuel because he's also power forward eligible. But then you look at the small forward and that's where Wancho is. So that's why I like those guys a lot more on FanDuel uh, because they get you that tough position eligibility on this early slate where there's only three games. There's not a ton of guys that we're very interested at power forward or small forward uh, if you're not playing the studs. I'm with you, man. And, you know, this is going to sound like a cop out this game, but I'm just telling you where I am in my process as we're here early uh, Sunday morning is I I have eight guys listed in my player pool. Obviously all eight of them aren't going to make it, but I'm going to try to uh, sprinkle some in uh, on a couple of lineups here because I just think it's too perfect. Um, And it's pretty much the, the guys you would expect. No big shockers. I like 
Lonzo, I like Drew Holiday, Ingram, and Zion. Those are the four Pelicans that will make my some of my lineups. And then on the Timberwolves side, uh, I do like D'Angelo a little bit more. I, I sense a D'Angelo uh, big game coming. He hasn't really had one of those bust-out games yet. And I think now that Malik Beasley is getting a lot more attention, uh, that you know it, it paves the way for D'Angelo to uh, have one of those big ones. But I, you know, Beasley, his price is not quite caught up to him yet. He's he's been playing great. Um, you know, I've been on the Nas Reed bandwagon since summer league, so I'm glad he's finally getting the opportunity. And the guy is a very good three-point shooter too. So I mean, he can help all all over the place uh, without question. And then Hernan Gomez, I mean, you know, I had him when he was in foul trouble. He picked up two in the first two and a half minutes, and he still came back to have a, a you know, a very comparable game to what he's been doing. So uh, for whatever reason, the system, the coach, uh, whatever, he's playing the best ball he's ever played. So I know that's a lot of guys, and I know, you know, I'm not narrowing it down just yet, but you know, I would wouldn't be uh, you know everything's transparency with with Mike and I and with DFS Coach Talk and you know I haven't made the final decision. I have to figure out a little bit more with all the different slates that are going on and contests on what exactly you know I'm going to do here. But all eight of those guys and I I don't think I've had I don't think I've said that all season where I've actually wanted to roster eight guys from one team. Uh, but not in the same lineup. I'll move them around a little bit, but I think they're all fantastic plays in a game that's just picture perfect DFS. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hernan Gomez plays well in these up uh, up tempo games, gives them uh, more opportunity with the longer rebounds, especially knowing that the Pelicans like to shoot threes. Uh, bodes well for him. I think he put up about like 35 or 36 DK points in this matchup just like a week ago. So. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards, uh, you know, just the way that my construction is going. If I uh, need a, you know, mid-priced small forward, I like Hernan Gomez. If I need a mid-priced power forward, I like Nas Reed. So I'm kind of with you. Both those guys very much in play. Pairing them with at least one of those guards seems like it's viable. And then running it back with at least one or two other guys on the other side of the ball. I think getting four guys, you know, five seems like another, you know, rock-solid amount from this game is very viable. But we, you know, at the end of the day, we talked about four or five other guys we have a ton of interest in. So I won't be full game stacking it. You're a sharp man, Mr. Apatria. All right. We have two six o'clock games an hour earlier than normal lock. And depending on which site, you know, it depends on which contest they're in, but uh, do be aware that they are an hour earlier locks than the normal weekday games. So the six o'clock games, uh, which like I said, there are two of them. The first one is the Thunder at the Celtics. Celtics are only a four-point favorite. The total is a very low 219, uh, which is the second lowest on the board. Implied for Boston, 111.5. Oklahoma City, 107.5. Pace is not great. Oklahoma, 23. Boston, 17. Uh, The Thunder are 10th best defensively, and Boston, 4th best defensively. So, uh, where everything aligned perfectly the last game, not so much in this game, although it'd be a hell of a game to watch with some good players, but I don't know how DFS, uh, you know, friendly this game is going to be. 
Yeah, I think you'll see a lot of guys in this game get close to their 5X. They might touch their 5X, but it's just not one of those games where there's a ton of upside for much, much more where I can sit here and you know pinpoint that one guy that's like 7,500 and it's going to hit that 8X mark. So I really don't have a ton of interest in anybody on this side of the ball. I mean, Steven Adams is in a good spot going against that Boston front court. Uh, we've kind of seen him play a little bit better as of, as of late. It's really just going to be minutes dependent on him. When we know he's you know touching the 30s or getting low 30s, he's going to probably have a good game. Uh, but he's probably the one guy over there on uh on okc i have interest in and if i'm looking at anybody on boston it's probably just going to continue to be uh you know jason tatum you know hayward's probable so eventually you know kemba walker's starting to get his minutes back up eventually tatum's usage is going to start to shrink down a little bit back to normality um you know so keep an eye on that i'm not overly enticed to play him but the way he's been playing you can't deny it so i'll keep him in my player pool do i end up getting any of them probably not i'm with you i mean almost ditto from exactly what you said and i normally like uh, guys from both of these teams at least one because they both play so well but for for all the matchup reasons that would take me my normal five minutes to go through I'm trying to be conservative on time today so I'll just say uh, you know the matchups are strong I don't think there'll be as many DFS points available here I think Kemba will get a few extra minutes just like Mike said and you know with Hayward playing I love Tatum. He's been playing at another level. Um, if I could somehow fit his money in there, which his salary's high, I would love to, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get there. And if he, you know, if he loses five, six points, seven points on that total DFS point number that he's been getting because some of those other guys are, are grabbing some of the usage back, then he becomes just sort of a Uh, You know, I'm playing him to get 5X, which isn't usually the winning solution completely. I mean, you have to have a few guys that sneak in, but when you're paying that kind of money, you got to have a ceiling of 7, 8X for somebody. So it it very well could be I don't get anybody from this game, but exactly like you, if it's somebody, it's probably going to be Tatum. So very good uh, analysis. The other 6 o'clock game is the Milwaukee Bucks at the Phoenix Suns. Um, This is the first team we have that's affected by uh, a back-to-back. This is the first night of a back-to-back for Milwaukee with two games where I'm sure they're not going to have Giannis. So it changes the entire dynamic of the Bucs without Giannis. Everything changes because of the usage uh, bumps all over the place. So I'll let Mike touch on that, but it's the Bucs by seven uh, at Phoenix. It's a total of 227. 117 applied for the Bucks, 110 for Phoenix, and then you've got the number one pace team in the league in the Bucks, of course, and Phoenix is 10th, and then defensively Milwaukee also number one, but they won't be there without Giannis. Uh, that certainly sinks down. Phoenix has dropped all the way to 18th, so this game I think has great potential. Uh, more so with Giannis out of it than with Giannis in it. So go for it, buddy. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is going to be pretty cut and dry. If you're playing uh, this, so we talked about the slates earlier. DraftKings has two slates, three o'clock early ones, and then they do six o'clock on. So they include this in their main, their main slate for all their big prize pooled uh, contests. So, 
Uh, bottom line, if you're playing DraftKings, have good exposure to this game. With Giannis off the court, we kind of already know what we what to expect. The usage kind of goes around, gets distributed to a few of the main guys because we start to see a couple of the ancillary guys play a few more minutes. Um, you know, there's the two main guys we obviously have to talk about are Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe. Both of them are egregiously underpriced for Giannis being out. Bledsoe 6,600, Middleton's, or I'm sorry, Middleton 63, uh, 6,600, Bledsoe's only 5,300. So both of them extremely underpriced. I really like both those guys prefer Middleton uh, bottom line just has a 33.6% usage rate with Giannis off the floor averaging 1.44 DK points per minute he's like you know he has to be a pillar at this point uh, you know generally the number one thing I always do when I see Giannis out is I immediately gravitate towards Ursan Ilyasova for, for some value he averages right. right around a DK point per minute he's minimum salary on DK he's only 3k uh, you know, we have to expect that he'd probably play 20 to 30 minutes. But the one thing that's giving me a hesitation is the fact that they brought Marvin Williams in. So we kind of got to see right. how they do these minutes. Uh, normally, I, so I want to preface that. I do like Ilyasova. I do think he'll probably still probably play about, you know, 20 minutes. But I want him at that 28-minute mark. And Ilyasova really might, uh, or Marvin Williams really might cut into that. So we got to see how that starting lineup shakes out. I wouldn't even be shocked to see Marvin Williams start. Um, who knows? We, you know, they might want to just keep Ilyasova in that in that bench role. But, um, yeah. It's something to monitor. So right now, the you know the two main guys I'm looking at are going to be Middleton, Bledsoe. I think DiVincenzo is also a rock solid play. He averages right over a DK point per minute, 1.06 with Giannis off the floor. That super utility role that could kind of play anywhere between the one and the three. So yeah. uh, those would probably be my three top options if we hear who's starting at power forward, which we should because it's the first game on the on this slate. Um, you know that guy's there definitely going to be very viable because he's most likely going to be minimum salary if you're looking at Ilyasova or Marvin Williams. For sure. Absolutely. What about Phoenix? Phoenix is obviously, you know, like you said, this is thinking the same Milwaukee defense that we have to worry about. I think Devin Booker is a fine option. 8,400. He performed well in this matchup the first time these two teams played. Came out and put up about 48 DK points on 9 of 15 shooting. Uh, I expect this game to be fairly competitive. Uh, I think we have to talk about our boy Baines. Oh, my uh, God. I mean, listen, I don't want to tell anybody not to play him. I don't want to say to play him because... If you're expecting that same sort of performance, you know, that's not going to happen. But if they're going to play him 36 minutes, that's a totally different story. Did he play 36 minutes because the guy was just on fire, 9 of 14 from 3? Or is that a game plan that they want to take going forward? The other thing that we have to take into consideration, it's two different types of matchups. Hassan Whiteside's a, you know, let me plant my roots in the paint. Uh, I'm not moving much, uh, you know easier guy for Baines to guard as opposed to a guy like Brooke Lopez, who we know is going to be taking the ball out to the three point line. So I haven't quite made my decision on Baines. I just kind of wanted to, you know, give both sides of the coin, play devil's advocate. I think he's still a fantastic price at 5,400 if he is going to be playing above 30 minutes. Um, but, you know, tread, 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 tread cautiously because he's likely to be some pretty fair chalk on this. And it's going to be an easy way for people to run back there. You're going to see tons of like Bledsoe, Middleson, Aaron Baines, uh, you know, Booker stacks like that's going to probably be something very popular that you see going on this main site. No doubt about it. I mean, <clears throat> you know, on the Milwaukee side, I have a little concern about the secondary guys. That's why I am not going to go to the Marvin Williams, Eliasova, try to plug in uh, Giannis's usage in minutes with those guys. Everybody's going to be going there. I think you'll see those guys at, at low, low, uh, salaries try to make round out everybody's roster, but I don't think you can afford to risk, at least in cash. I'm not going to afford to risk that one of those guys puts up eight, you know, DFS points for the whole game. I'm just going to focus on where the actual usage for Giannis is going to go, and it's going to go directly, you know, mainly to 
three guys, and that's going to be Middleton, Bledsoe, and Lopez. And I think all three of those become in play. I think uh, Lopez will pull Baines out from the basket. Not that he can't get out there, but, I mean, it will uh, deter uh, Baines from getting some of those rebounds. And so, you know, I I like all three of those guys on the Milwaukee side. They'll make some of my lineups. I'm not going for the value play from those uh, from the Milwaukee guys in this game. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to roster Baines. I'm sorry, man. 37 points with nine threes. Uh, you know, he had never had more than three threes in a game. He had never scored over 25 points. I mean, I think it was just the stars aligned for some insanity there. And I like Baines. I mean, he's. I think he makes the most, uh, and, you know, we talked about the, the Australian-themed weekend of, of all the Aussies playing tough, and I get it, but uh, I'm just, I am not going to chase that. I think there's too many other good plays uh, to not have to go that direction. I do think that uh, Booker is rosterable in this game. Um, you know, there's they're pretty banged up in different spots, though. You know, when you're playing without Ubre and without Aiton and, and some of your key players, um, I think that that is, uh, you know, that's something you got to be aware of. Uh, the other thing, though, for, and I don't almost never, I almost never play this guy, but I think Ricky Rubio is a decent play to, today. I just, I think that he's going to be needed uh, to stay in this game, and I think that he will get enough minutes to, to really cause some trouble. So, um you know, I'll go to the main dudes for Milwaukee, uh, not the value dudes. And then as far as Phoenix, really, I just I like their backcourt. Um, you know, you I'm a little more concerned about paying that high up for Booker. But you have to have some correlation. If you're going to stack and spend on two or two guys even for Milwaukee or even three, uh, to not have any correlation on the Phoenix side is going to be hard to do because – if Booker, Rubio, or Baines, or somebody doesn't have a great game, Milwaukee's going to blow them out, and then you're going to lose minutes from your main Milwaukee guys, and Milwaukee's on the first night of a back-to-back. So the, as soon as uh, Coach Bud can get him out of there, he will, uh, because, you know, if it's a blowout. So creates a little doubt there. Um, you know, I can see myself, honestly, if I had to put a lineup in now, I'd probably go like, uh, Bledsoe and Middleton uh, or uh, Bledsoe and uh, uh, Lopez and then just Rubio on the other side just to stay within reason. So complicated game, but a fun game. So, yeah, that's it. definitely. Definitely. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with the with, you know, these guys being injured. We're seeing both Rubio and Booker be the biggest beneficiaries with Ubre and Aiton off the court. Just that, you know, Rubio is not a guy kind of almost similar to Alonzo Ball situation where he generally gets his stats uh, in the rebounds, the steals, the assists, uh, not so much in the scoring column. But when he's forced to score and he has to take that extra, you know, four or five shot attempts a game, it only boosts his ceiling slightly more. So uh, something to think about, you know, Devin Booker, though, 33 percent usage rate with uh, Aiton Ubre off the floor, averaging 1.31 yeah. uh, Rubio not too far though he's 20.4 which is actually pretty high for rubio and he's averaging about 1.23 so both those guys are pretty excellent plays that i look to run these guys back with they definitely are i think uh i don't think Bledsoe's a great defender either that's part of the reason i like rubio uh wesley matthews can be an agitator though as far as if you know he's getting there's no doubt he's going to start 
uh, on Booker, but you know, I just Booker's so talented. He can get shots in a lot of different ways, but good game though, man. All right, let's keep firing. We're on a, a pace that uh, we should be proud of, I think, so far. Um, we have three seven o'clock games, the normal, <clears throat> the normal starting time usually, but uh, we're going to hit those next. The first one on the board is uh, Milwaukee and Phoenix. No, Indiana and Dallas is what I meant to say. Indiana Pacers and Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you've got Dallas a six and a half point home favorite. Only 218 and a half. Low, low number for Dallas this year. Implied for Dallas, 112 and a half, 106 for the Pacers. And then you've got Indiana and Dallas, 22nd and 18th in pace, which is not nothing to write home about. Uh, defensively better, though. Indiana all the way up to 7th, Dallas 17th. So this is one of those tweener games. You know, do you spend up on some of these big dogs in this game? Or is this a game to fade? I think this could be a pivotal game uh, in that sense, man. You know, it's a tough one. I, I'm kind of taking a, a modest approach with it, and you know, I think we might have we might have gone to somebody a little bit too early. It's gonna, definitely going to need some injury news. Obviously, Brogdon's pretty much done for the year. I think he had like a hip fracture or something like that. Uh, you know, very serious injury. So we should continue to see some minutes go towards the Holiday brothers. Uh, Victor Oladipo being questionable is obviously going to impact both those guys' minutes as well, and so does T.J. Warren. So right. uh, I'm keeping an eye on that situation. I do think this is an important game. It's gonna we should have that news early enough. For the FanDuel slate, like I said, that one starts at 7 p.m., so this is one of the first games on that slate for the main one. Right. But I think we might have went to uh, Justin Holiday a little too early. I think this could be a Justin Holiday game. If those guys are hurt on the wing, being Oladipo um, and or Warren, just maybe one of them, Holiday's the kind of guy I can see them trying to throw at Luka. Um, that's the guy that they, that would probably match up best against him. He's one of their you know best defensive uh, wing perimeters. We know he gets a little chippy. He can you know chip in on the steals and blocks column. And he's just a guy where if he's on the court playing big minutes, which is something that I can kind of see. Uh, like I said, being that perfect kind of matchup against uh, Luca. You know, I don't know who else you think. I don't think they throw Aaron Holiday at him. Um, you know, I, I don't think, think that if he was healthy, they'd throw Oladipo at him because Oladipo's a shutdown defender. Yeah. I just don't know if he's healthy enough. Exactly. And if Oladipo's out, you know, the next guy up would probably be a guy like TJ Warren would be guarding him. Um, but without either one of those guys, or even if both of them are healthy, you got to be worried about them playing a full complement of minutes. Like Oladipo's not a guy I can see guarding, you know, Luca for a full no. 36. No so way. either way, it, Justin Holiday kind of slides into that role for me. And he's coming in as a value play, 3,700. I'd really like to know that those guys are out if they are out. Um, he'd be a very, very solid value play. So he's the main guy I'm looking at um, probably in this entire game because we do have some other interesting games that we're going to be going to a little bit more. I don't mind looking at a guy like Sabonis. It's a fantastic matchup for him. You got to, you know, he's like, you know, creeping back down in price at 8,300. So he'd probably be my second favorite play on the Indiana side of the ball. Uh, yeah. But as far as far as Dallas is concerned, um, you know, we're, we're seeing Porzingis creep up near that 10K mark. So now we really have to think about it. Luca's still at a more than fair price tag, but with all these recent injuries, he's kind of had some down performances. We have to wonder, uh, is he playing a little hobbled right now? Does he need a few days off? Whatever it may be. Um, but it, you know, I'm never going to cut Luca out of my pool, but he's not becoming one of my primary plays just yet. Well, I, I am so happy. And that's what I was hoping you would say, because I think the industry has all felt that way right now. I think today will be the day you can get Luca at the least ownership he's been at since the start of the season. 
Um, he has consistently been inconsistent. Let's just face it. He has not made value multiple times, and when he does, he's just skipped by uh, the, in that fifth spot. You'll see, I think, for the very first time this year, you're actually going to see Porzingis owned uh, as much as Luca or close to it. Because Porzingis has had just, I don't know if people have noticed, but the last uh, 10, 13, 10 to 12 days, he's been unreal. He was player of the week last week. He's continued that pace this week. But I'm going to I'm gonna take uh, a big shift stance here, and I'm going to jump on Luca when everybody else is jumping off Luca, and they're going to be shaking their heads, I think, saying, why did I not stay with Luca? I think that he has the potential in this game for just what we said. Who do they put on him? You know, we don't know if Oladipo is going to play. If Oladipo was 100% and playing his regular mid-30s minutes, I would not go this direction because I really do respect his defense. I just don't see a good matchup against Luka. And I think knowing that Porzingis is playing so well, I think Coach McMillan is going to try to put the double squeeze on him with Turner and Sabonis as much as they possibly can. So uh, Dallas has a lot of ancillary guys hurt too, Seth Curry and all these guys that take some usage. And all of that, I believe, is going to funnel back to Luka. So I am Luca's my number one pillar play today, and I like him mostly not just because I think he's going to do really well, which I do, but because I think his ownership's going to be the lowest it's been in months. And I'm going to fade everybody else on the Mavericks side. On the on the Pacers side, I'm rostering one guy. This is going to be a one v one for me. Uh, I like Sabonis. You know, we know the Mavericks have that donut in the middle a lot of times. And, you know, generally it's not Turner that gets in there. It's Sabonis that does all the dirty work, the follow-ups, the offensive rebounds, the tips. Uh, I just love him in this game. I think that he'll have one of his ceiling games as well. So this, to me, is my pivot. This is going to make or break, I think, my evening slate because I'm going to spend the big bucks on Luka and Sabonis, and hopefully they can be my two captains to – to victory. So I know it's a little stiff stance, but what do you think, man? I can tell you one thing. My tune will change on Luca if we hear that Brian Bowen is starting at small forward once again. Um, my tune will entirely change. I would, like I said, I would expect if those guys are out, Justin Holiday to start, and that's why I'd have a ton of interest in him. But, uh, you know, Luca's Luca, man. You're never going to hear me say about that. As a Mavs fan and just a, a sole Luca lover, uh, one of the leaders of the Luca fan club, I think, I'm, I'm absolutely, you know, enamored by his play. He can get his shot off against anybody. It's not a matchup dependent thing, it's going to come down to construction for me, more or less. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of point guards I, I have available to kind of choose from on tonight's slate. So um, he's definitely a solid option. You, you hit the nail on the head. I think we're going to see that that ownership between him and Porzingis be a lot tighter than it normally is, uh, making him a great play. So I'm on board with it. I like it. Thanks, man. Did you see that Bowen dude's hair? He's got some badass hair, doesn't he? Yeah, that's probably how he got the start. Because there's, I there's, love there's, it, there's, man. There's, they said they wanted to keep the second unit intact, but – there's some things that kind of force the hand. And if you're without Warren and you're without Oladipo, you can't expect to be competitive if you start this kid against against Luka. You can't I don't, expect to I mean, him. I was surprised. I mean, I looked at the TV and I said, who in the hell is that guy? Did somebody, like, blow out their hair and put white tips on it? Or I, I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't believe he started that last game, to be honest. But if I could grow out hair, that's what my hair would look like. For you guys that haven't seen Bowen yet – 
uh, check out the, the the wing for the Pacers. Uh, that's some that's some cool hair. All right, we are going to keep firing Miami and Washington Wizards. Uh, it is the last seven o'clock game. Miami's a favorite by five. The total is two thirty one and a half, which is a pretty fat number for the Heat. Uh, if you remember, the Wizards beat the Heat outright last time we they played, so that was a stunner. Um, the Heat are 118 and a half uh, implied total on the road. Wizards 113 and a half. And uh, as far as pace goes, you've got uh, Miami 26th and Washington 6th, but the inverse on the defense. Miami's 11th and Washington is dead stinking last 30th worst defensive team in the league. So the question is, do you grab some heat guys uh do we correlate if the game stays close like vegas thinks it will uh the 231 and a half total you got to really respect considering it's the third highest on the board so i am very interested to hear your take on this game michael yeah so uh you know i touched on the heat in that last game where they played a very similar type of pace and very similar type defensive atmosphere against new orleans pelicans and I could have swore, Coach, there was a, an analyst on this show that mentioned, you know, Jimmy Butler perhaps maybe taking a few more shot attempts than he was taking in that game and possibly scoring about 28 points and still chipping in in the rebounds and getting us to 50 or 55. And he You're came right. out and got us exactly 55, hit 28 points. He did everything that we were hoping for. Nostradamus and- Apatria. Yeah, and it just happened to run back. I think I mentioned Duncan Robinson. He had a very, very good game in that one as well. So I won't be as on, on Duncan Robinson. It's not the same type of atmosphere as I'm, I was hoping for and I, and I got in that New Orleans game, but I will be on Jimmy Butler in this one. Uh, I have a ton of interest in Jimmy. Um, like I said, he's just getting it done. He's, he's really taking the team on his back at this point. We're kind of seeing Bam not necessarily slow down. I think Bam's still an excellent play, but we're, we're kind of seeing why Jimmy came back down to or came to Miami. He, this is his team. Uh, he's facilitating. He's getting the rebounds. He's getting the assists, and I continue to expect him to see aggressive shooting. You know, we had a little stretch of three or four games where he kind of, you know, wasn't. But that's not his type of game. He's going to get a bucket when he needs a bucket. And if this game's going to stay close like Vegas thinks, then we're going to see some Jimmy in the fourth quarter. So at 8K on FanDuel, I think he's right around hovering that price over there on DK as well. He's going to be one of my favorite plays on the slate, I think, Coach. Wow. Very interesting. What about Washington? Are they gonna? Are you gonna correlate? I don't have a ton of interest in Washington. I don't mind Bradley Beal in this kind of situation. He's pretty much matchup proof at this stage in his career. Uh, he, you know, he did well in this game. I think last time put up about fifty or fifty or so DK points. Um, so I think Bradley Beal is an option. I won't be going to too much Napier. Um, you know. He's doing well. Don't get me wrong. It's just a big minutes concern with him. We never know if he's going to be getting 35, if he's going to be getting 23 uh, or what it is. So I don't think I'll be going to too much Napier. Now the front court's getting a little jumbled up. They're starting Thomas Bryant, but they're not giving Thomas Bryant 30 plus minutes. So that's kind of impacting, you know, Rui and his and his rebounding upside. So I really don't have a ton of interest over there in Washington. Most of my interest is going to be over here in Miami. Interesting. I'm, you know, there's two guys on Miami that I think, are, are your best plays, you know, possibly on the slate, just because the lack of defense and the pace that Washington plays. And if if Washington's able to keep this under, uh, you know, double digits, which I'm not sure, but I said this last time, I thought Miami kill Washington and, and Washington beat them. So, you know, what do I know on those? That's why I don't bet basketball, uh, you know, games. But 
you know, Butler and, and Bam, you know, I, I, I think Bam, you know, in this type of pace game, the way he fills the lanes and the way he delivers the ball, you know, this is this smells like a triple-double game for Bam possibility. And he's had a couple of them already this year. Uh, and Jimmy Butler should just eat. He'll, you know, he'll probably another guy that could have a triple double. I, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's happened very often, but you do have the possibility if this game stays close that the, both of those guys could have a triple double. And, you know, there's a bunch of ancillary guys on Miami that are in play. I don't particularly like them as much just because I think the main two guys uh, are going to get the majority of the usage here. And uh, I'm just going to hope that it stays within reason. Uh, on Washington side, if Robinson is out, then uh, Napier is going to be my plug-and-play secret squirrel because, Ooh, I like it. yeah, because he's he's played really well. It's just Robinson's played just as well. So Robinson has eaten a lot of his minutes, and when they're both in there together, he's also scooping some of that usage. So uh, they they played both of them together and moved Beal to the three for chunks of time, and then. You know, with Robinson and Beal on the wings, it's hard to get much action if you're Napier. But if Robinson out, Robinson is out, that changes everything because there are a ton of guys from Washington that, you know, don't do a whole lot out there. Like I rostered Hashimura the other night and he ran around just, I think, uh, you know, looking in the crowd and, and just uh, not even paying attention to the game. I mean, they just have a lot of guys that are not big contributors uh that, that eat minutes. So for me, you know, I like Bam. I like Butler. Can I afford both? Probably not. So I've got to determine which one more than likely that I go with uh, on the Washington side. You know, I'm not taking Beal. I think Jimmy Butler locks him down. His price is so enormous. You need, you know, you need 65 fantasy points to feel great about him. And that's a tough chore against Jimmy buckets. Uh, so it's if Robinson's out, it's Napier. If not, I probably just move on from the from the Wizards. I I'll touch on uh, a little bit of Bam, and I think he's obviously in a fantastic matchup. But the, he's he's played uh, Washington three times this season. He's averaging about thirty five DK points, which is actually less than five X for. So he's still in a great Not matchup. Great. Yeah. No, but it, it's it's Butler's capitalized i think he's averaged about 50 dk points against him this season so um i'm not just going off of you know past performance or anything like that that's really not indicative you know bam can bust out any single game and this is kind of that picture perfect matchup that we've talked about um so it wouldn't necessarily you know shock me um one thing i do like um about about your you know your napier call um, is I, and I have to look into it is how, how much he plays alongside of Napier and how much he spells him at point guard. That's one thing that really interests me because, you know, looking at their other rotation guys that they were playing in that last one, uh, if Ro- if uh, Robinson sits, um, it's probably going to have to be a bunch of, a bunch of Beal or just a bunch of Napier on the floor running that point. I got to look into that and kind of well, see I've, how much I've already this. looked, I've already looked into it. And I'll tell you this is to make, put it in a nutshell, since we're on this speed speed today, uh, when when Robinson plays in the last week, Napier is not rosterable because he eats way into too much of his time and minutes, whether they're next to each other or not, uh, in usage. So I feel like if Napier or Robinson ever sit, the other one is hugely in play because uh, Beal's going to get his 35 to 38. It doesn't matter. But if the other two are playing 
they're going to just be chopping each other up too much, especially Napier, because Robinson's usage is actually higher than Napier's right now. But if one sits, the other one's, you know, fully in play with the mm-hmm. the pace that they play. So that's that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. it's literally that cut and dry. If Robinson plays, don't play him. If he sits, I think he's a pillar. I'm looking at I'm looking on, uh, you know, popcorn machine. And I, yeah. I think we've touched on this in uh, once or twice right now. Uh, and it looks like, you know, Napier in that last game against the Hawks, he didn't even touch the fourth quarter. Uh, nope. He didn't even sniff court. It looks like they ran out mostly. It was, uh, you know, Bradley Beal, Thomas Bryant. Um, they closed a little bit the final two minutes with Jerome Robinson, but they went kind of big. They played Troy Brown Jr., uh, Bertans, and Rui. So they really ran a lot of Beal at point, uh, Troy Brown Jr. at the two, um, you know, Rui, Bryant, and Bertans. Uh, and that was – who was that against? Bertans was at, uh, at the three, it looks like. Uh, that was against Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, um, I mean, it's not the same exact matchup that we're talking about, obviously, but it doesn't look like they're afraid to just go with a point guard list lineup, and that's the one thing that worries me is that even if Robinson's out, they could still just close in competitive games with that point guard list lineup, Beal, you know, get their, just put their best players, in their opinion, on the court, and to do that, it, it involves Thomas Bryant um, at the five, Rui at the four, and then playing Bertans at the three. So when they want to yeah. put Bertans at the three, that's going to eliminate the point guard entirely. If I remember right, and you can correct me because you're looking at the popcorn machine right there, but I think that was because Atlanta didn't really play a center in the fourth quarter. They played Collins at center, and he's a four. So they they played uh, a lineup, I think, that Washington was trying to take advantage of size. They were having Bertans shoot over the top. I, I don't know, but that's a good point, though. It, it's a good point. But uh, Deadman played four minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, and it was mostly to spell Collins. Collins. It was to yeah. spell Collins at center. Uh, so you you are absolutely right. Um, they did do that. Yeah. So I mean, some of it may be situational, um, but it just it heeds more into the fact that uh, really they're both unplayable if they're both playing for sure, and you can roll the dice if if one of them's out. So. Uh, all right, man, let's hit. We got three games left, game nine, game 10, and game 11. I'm going to mention something real quick here. Uh, don't forget to uh, follow us on DFSCoachTalk.com. You can uh, sign up there, become a member, jump in our Discord. We're providing lineups for DraftKings and FanDuel. We would love to have uh, members uh, join. <clears throat> we have a great community. We have a blast in there. Um, you can uh, check us out on Twitter at DFSCoachTalk. I'm at J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. He is at M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. And Andrew is at Language Olympic. Uh, You can hear us seven days a week in front of the paywall, everywhere podcasts can be heard. Uh, We're at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Pod, Be Nyhart, Spotify, and YouTube. As always, we ask you to rate, review, subscribe. We have a big giveaway for a free month of uh, membership to – DFS Coach Talk, if you give us five stars and put a comment in on iTunes. We also will be giving some flash contests away for weekly memberships for those that give us a thumbs up and uh, also click the alarm uh, button to let them know when a new pod comes up and also to subscribe. So jump on there. Help us out there. We love it. Continue the three-step process. Listen to this pod early, following the news with us. 
uh, on Twitter or in our Discord throughout the day. And you got to hunker down. Last night was one of those nights that we made last-minute changes with the Trey Young news coming in and a couple of people shuffled around. So you need to be focused and uh, on there with us in Discord that last 30 minutes so you can have the best possible lineup that you're bringing forward. So that is super important. Okay, we go to the final three games. We've got a 7.30 game of uh, the San Antonio Spurs at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Interesting game. Uh, You've got the Spurs, a a five-and-a-half-point road favorite, even with Aldridge out. Um, It's a 224 total. Uh, You've got 115 for the Spurs implied in Cleveland, 109-and-a-half. Spurs playing with the 15th best pace, Cleveland 21st, so that's not good at all. But here's the Bonanza. 27th and 29th against defense. So that is very, very interesting. The other part of this game that's extremely important is Cleveland's on the second night of a back-to-back. So I don't know how it's all going to shake out, but I had read some coach talk yesterday where it might be Thompson and Drummond flipping and Drummond sitting or playing tonight and Thompson sitting, but that news isn't out yet. Um, And you got to watch. I think I saw something about Thompson playing. Okay. Well, Um, follow this news because it's going to be, you never know with love on a back-to-back. You have no idea what they're going to do there. So don't roster anybody until you see who's ruled in because Cleveland has been really weird uh, with playing guys uh, up and down and sideways. So, and we know your favorite player, Dean Wade, uh, because I thought you said you thought it was the real D Wade. But you know what? We'll it, it is the real D Wade. Oh, know? okay. All right. I don't gotcha. hate on his. Don't hate on his. Uh, his 16 minutes versus Boston. Hey, D Wade at that price, <laughs> man. You know what's okay. All <laughs> right, give me this game. What do you got? So there's a lot of interest app in this game. So uh, you know, I I generally always start with the away team. So I will start with San Antonio. Uh, you know, a couple price discrepancies looking on Fanduel. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, 7,800. That's a, a fair price tag. I do have interest in him, but then I slide over to DK, and I think he's about 73 or 7,200. So I do like that price tag a little bit more on DK. I have interest in him on both sides, though. Uh, get to my main man, Trey Lyles. I always touch on him. He did not underperform looking at that game against uh, you know Brooklyn. I was all over him in that one. We just saw a blowout, and he didn't touch the court uh, You know, following, I think it was uh, the last, halfway through the third quarter, all the way into the fourth. We saw the bench unit, uh, like uh, Lucas Samad, Jack, Drew Eubanks, Keldon Johnson, Quindary Weatherspoon. Uh, all those guys <laughs> saw some pretty ample fourth quarter run for the Spurs, and we didn't get to see any of the starters. So in 23 minutes, though, he did get it done for us. Um, and I will go, I have no problem going back to the well until 5,100, still fair price tag. Uh, he shot 6 of 12 in that last one, put up 29 uh, DK points. So the minutes should continue to be there for him. We know that the Cavs like to play big, so that's they're going to have to play him at least 30-plus minutes. I would expect probably closer to the 33 to 36-minute mark, especially knowing that he was limited uh, in that last one, fresh and geared up to go. So he'll probably be one of my favorite plays in this game, and then I'll be looking at the Rose, and probably about it. I do like I do want to mention they are playing Derek White and DeJounte Murray alongside of each other. Yeah. So, uh, with you know, with that, I do kind of like some Derek White at his price tag knowing that he's going against Cleveland's backcourt. So, you know, maybe I, I 
you know, err on the side of the court or caution in the lineups where I don't play DeRozan, you can easily get some good exposure with Derek White or Trey Lyles uh, at a much cheaper salary in this game. And then now I'll slide over the Cleveland side of the ball. Uh, I, I could have swore I saw somewhere that they said Tristan Thompson was going to play. I'd be shocked if Andre Drummond does just the way that they're treating it. Uh, to be honest, though, you know, I don't have a ton of interest in guys like, you know, Kevin Love and Larry Nance. Love a little bit more than Nance. Nance is just so up and down where it's kind of hard to pinpoint when you're going to get that good Larry Nance game. But now we're paying for it regardless. He's 6,700 over there on DK. Um, that's not something I'm willing to do. The minutes were there in that last game, um, but the usage isn't always there. You're really relying on a big rebounding game from the hit value because he's never you know jacking up in the scoring column as it is either. So I don't have a ton of interest in the front court. Um, you know that seems like the spot where you'd be itching to go to, but the back court I have no problem going to. So we're gonna have to keep an eye on Darius Garland if he plays or not dealing with that groin injury. If he sits, we could look at the Aussie again. Uh, Delvadova came out had a fantastic game in that last one. I wouldn't expect another game like that, but if he's gonna continue playing 30 plus minutes and be close to mid salary, uh, he's an option for us. Uh, you know. And then Colin Sexton's just been lighting the world on fire. A uh, guy that's really surprised me this season. You know, the biggest thing I want to talk about when I mention Colin Sexton isn't something that we really care about in DFS, but it's his field goal percentage. This guy's been just absolutely crushing when it comes to field goal percentage. I think he's shooting over 48% or something like that in the wow. year. Um, that's insane for a guard. So I don't know if a lot of people notice that. It flies under the radar, but he is not having uh, any sort of like a sophomore slump season. Uh, he's really stepped up. He's 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 been one of the key cogs for this Cavs team. For as poor as they've been, he's been the bright spot. And you've kind of heard some of their veterans like Kevin Love uh, and Tristan Thompson come out and say, this dude is an absolute baller. Uh, he's they've, they've said he's the best player on the team. So uh, yep. that's, that's the way I'm approaching it. So I'll be looking at Lyles. I'll be looking at White with a little DeMar DeRozan. And on the other side, it's going to be Colin Sexton and Della Vadova in the backcourt for me. Della Vadova, man. You know, it's funny because we mentioned him on the pod yesterday. And I got to give a shout out to my man, Rouchard, over in Australia. He's one of our uh, favorite guys, man. And he said it was the Australian cheer that rallied him. And he crushed last night. I don't know if you saw, you know, he listened to the post, put to, to, uh, the pod and put together, um, posted some lineups that just killed it. I think he won over 1,700 mm-hmm. is what he posted on the site. Oh, yeah. So oh, I got to give crushed. another, if it's a luck thing, I'm just going to do it. Uh, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. There you go. Let's keep that momentum going with all these Australian players, the Baines and Delavadovas, and they're they're really showing out, I'll tell you. So keep it going, Richard. And you know what? I'm going to take this second because I've been buzzing at our record speed. And I'm really pleased at where we're going. I got to shout out some of our members. We have the best group of members to start out a new uh, – you know, jump on a new project like this with with us. We're just uh, heading into our third week, but Alpha Sigma 74, Andrew Fitz, uh, B McAfee, uh, Brando SF, Brenton up there in, in the Northwest, uh, Bucks for Chuck, Cardenas 2097, Chris Collier 28. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, let's see, Dahar 10, D-I-Y guy 13, D-Money, it's Mikey, baby, (laughs) J-M-H-84, J-P-W-Y-L-D, I'm not sure uh, what that means, but I love that guy, Uh, Lanny, my man, Lanny5623, he was one of our first monthly members to jump aboard, so double shout out for him, Roush, of course, our Australian connection, Samet. 
who's uh, fantastic. S. Caldwell. Uh, who else we got on here? Timeless. Timelessless washed, I believe is how that's said. Uh, touch some paper. I guess we're, we're referring to cash money. Uh, Ultimate baller 27, way animal. And le- last but definitely not least, our coolest member, Zagusto, is in there. So that's I had to give some of those guys a shout out. I got I got I got to stop you. The way you uh the way you said it's it's Mikey baby. Uh you know, coach, you had a little bit of like Britney Spears in there. Like you kind of had like it's Britney bitch going on. Uh <laughs> you sound, you sound, I I hope the listeners kind of look at a good chuckle at it. I tried to turn my mic off at the time. I I couldn't stop myself from laughing. Uh but but I like it. I, I hope that's uh, we get a little bit more of an introduction of of your Britney Spears side more uh, often, coach. No, I can break that right into tune right from there. Uh, no, no, save it for another show. We don't want to overload people with uh with your talent right <laughs> just just yet. We're gonna have to save that one. I'm with you, man. All right, we're going back to the theme. Crush it and move. So, what do we have left, buddy? How many games? Let's see if you games. Detroit, New York, Toronto, Sacramento. You're so damn sharp. All right, Pistons at Knicks. Knicks six point favorite, only two eleven. So we're talking low, low. How low can you go? How about lowest on the slate? Implied one hundred eight and a half for the Knicks, one hundred two and a half for the Pistons. Uh, you've got the Pistons on the second night of a back to back, and their crazy rotation of guys as it is right now. So good luck with that. Pace twenty eighth and twenty first. That's rough, but I guess if there's any reason to put somebody in, uh, their defense, respectively, 22nd and 24th. Two hot mess teams. Uh, are you going to do much in this game, Mike? Uh, not outside of, like, one-off plays. I do think there are a few guys that are, you know, slightly interesting to me. Uh, you know, I'll start like I always do with this away team. Detroit Pistons, Christian Wood just continues to be the emerging. Wood. Hey, Woodchuck, quit chucking my wood. <laughs> My favorite commercial. Okay, I, know, I, know, I know you like that one. Uh, he's, he continues to play big minutes for him. Uh, you know, he's performed well against the Knicks this season. He's, he's done so in only about a 27-minute average, so we have to give it a little bit of boost. He's played at least 35 minutes over the past four games and hasn't had a score less than 35 uh, FanDuel points throughout that stretch. So you're pretty much looking at about a 40-point average with a little upside for more. So it's a fair price tagging him. So I will keep him in my player pool. Um, I want to keep an eye on this guard rotation on the second half of a back-to-back. A couple of these guys were coming off injury. They're expecting Brandon Knight to be good to go, and he's expected to play. Uh, you know, Bruce Brown's another guy coming off the bench in that last one. Uh, Svee Michaelik ahead of him. You like that, Coach? You got the last name? I, I, I'm i so proud of you, man. I so, actually uh, – I think a tear just dripped down my I hope so. Time. I've been, I practiced that one. I uh, can't so believe I, now, I, can, I kinda, you, can you pronounce the no, rookie from Detroit? Not, not doing it. <sighs> Seiko Dumbuyu. Yeah, we'll get to that one. One, you know, I got to crawl before I can walk over here, Coach. Right. It's a start. It's a start, son. It's a start. Give me something. Give me the star. Uh, so that's that's probably. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go out on a limb and play any of these guys. I still have some interest in McCray at his salary. He's one of those guys that's teetering on a minimum salary. I think he's about thirty-eight hundred shooting guard eligible over there on Fanduel. Uh, even with all these guys coming back, he still played that twenty-five minute mark, and that's kind of what I expected. I continue to expect him to play twenty-five minutes regardless of who's healthy. But knowing it's a back-to-back. Uh, the second half of the back-to-back and some of these guys were injured he might end up seeing himself get an extra minute or two uh you know that you know the knicks pretty much can't guard anything uh and knowing that second unit just bleeds points for the knicks it's going to be you know 
an, an enticing spot for him. So I, I would probably limit myself to those two guys. Um, and then on the Knicks side of the ball, uh, Alfred Payton's a fair price tag, 6,200. I don't mind him. He's not going to be like a, a pillar play of mine of any, of any means, but playing 30 minutes a night, you know, getting around that 38 to 40 minute uh, or 38 to 40 FanDuel point mark over the past two games in thir- less than 30 minutes. So he's playing well. It's not like uh, Detroit's defense is anything that really scares me off. I know you talk about Bruce Brown a lot, but if they're going to continue to take Bruce Brown off the bench, it's not something that we can really, you know, worry about. So That's true. I, I think I think Peyton and Mitchell Robinson is a guy to keep an eye on. We just never know what his minutes are going to be and his playing time. So he's a tournament flyer at best. Wouldn't trust him in cash, but I, I, I like to mention him in the matchups where I think he can capitalize. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been stung by a smattering of guys from these two crappy teams. So, I mean, really the only two guys that get any interest for me in this game at all are Mr. Woodchuck and uh, and Julius Randle. Because they're, they're right now, uh, their usage is high, is high and they do produce, but they're both so expensive. So I could very well be uh, without any Pistons and Knicks and feel really, really good about it. Uh, but those would be the two guys if there's a way. Uh, but I have a feeling I'm going to have some monster salary restrictions uh, once I put these together. So that's it, man. That game's not even worth uh, much. So we've got we do have a late night sweat game. You it know what I realized? Coach? Yes. You asked me how many games we had left. We skipped one. We did. Yes, we did. Orlando and Houston. Yes, we did. How did we do that? I, we did. I don't know. Wow. Dude. Okay. My bad. You're we'll right, dude. I just skip noticed. right over one. So let's hit that one real fast. And that's uh, a good game, too, yeah, man. Yeah. So I'm glad okay. I caught that Let, real fast. The thank next. you so much. I'm sure that everybody was shouting at their uh, headsets and computers, <laughs> you forgot Orlando and Houston, you dumbasses. Uh, and you would be right. Uh, Orlando and Houston, 7 o'clock start. Houston is minus 8. It's a 233.5 total, so cha-ching, it's the second highest total, and we almost missed it. Uh, 121 for Houston. Like I said, they uh, t- uh, actually went up one. They were tied with Minnesota when we started, so uh, the, the number's gone up in that game. They're now the second highest implied total, and the Magic are 113. Uh, as far as pace goes, that's where you got to think it through because Orlando – does not like to run at all. They're 27th, and they're going to try to slow the pace down. On the other side, it's a massive pace up game for Orlando, uh, which almost every game is, but this one especially because Houston's third. Uh, But this is a little concern, Michael, so I'm interested to see how deep you're going to go here. Uh, Orlando's ninth defensively, and Houston's 14th, which is very, very respectable. So the game that we almost forgot, might be the game that makes us champs. So give us some winners. Yeah, so we're we're gonna definitely have to take a long look at this game. Some of the you know the top price guys are on here. Um, you know, I, I do have some interest in a couple guys over here on Orlando where Evan Fournier is gonna continue to be ruled out. So we should continue to see some decent run from uh, you know, Terrence Ross coming off the bench. They've been starting Wes Wundu, but you know, not a guy that I'm overly excited about, not a great point per minute guy. But my main interest comes from the front court with uh, Nikola Vucevic. I like his price over there on FanDuel, eighty four hundred. Allows me to get some good exposure to the magic, knowing that they're gonna be playing up in pace. Yes, they like to slow the game down, but doesn't mean that they're going to be able to. Uh, and I just don't see who they're going to be able to put on Vucevic. And, you know, we talk about teams kind of having to adapt to the Rockets and go small. Well, that's not going to be Orlando's game. Vucevic is their best player. He's their focal point on offense. you got to expect.
expect that this offense is going to run through him. They're not going to play him off the court in any way, shape, or form. No. So, and that I will of, say, not to interrupt, but I will say, somehow, some way, we've said that multiple times. Like when they shut down Rudy Gobert, for example. I don't know how they're doing it, if it's a combination of Covington, Tucker, and everybody just, you know, busting tail. But I, I'm with you. Vukovic is their best player. He's their go-to guy. But even this little Mighty Mites lineup Houston's putting out there, they seem to be doing pretty well against centers. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I'm not going to take anything away from that. But Vucevic and Gobert's games are two completely different aspects. I mean, Gobert is, you know, when he gets shot, we're not expecting anything from him on offense. We're expecting those huge rebounding numbers uh, when true. we play Gobert. Maybe he gets a couple alley-oops, a couple putbacks, gets his points that way. Vucevic's a guy that we expect to, you know, take anywhere between, uh, you know, 15 to 20 shot attempts a game. I mean, over his past four games, we're talking 21-16, 21-16. So yeah. if he's floating around that 20, 20 shot attempt mark, you got to expect it's it's going to be a severe disadvantage for whoever's down low, whether it's P.J. Tucker or whoever they're throwing at him. And then the rebounding upside is also baked in there as well. I mean, we're talking double-doubles over the past three games, uh, even able to chip in sometimes with a couple of assists here and there, four and seven assists over the past two games. So I really yeah. like Vucevic. I, I do take that into consideration. And that's kind of keeping me from just locking him all over the place. But as of right now, he's probably my favorite center on the board, especially with his price tag over there on uh, FanDuel. Um, yep. And then he's probably going to be the only guy I'm really looking at. I like Aaron Gordon. He's been playing well. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but this is going to be a very difficult matchup for him, knowing that he's going to be trapped in between that, you know, uh, that PJ Tucker, Robert Covington range. Those both those guys, whether they whoever's going to be on Vucevic, it doesn't matter. Both those guys are very capable House, defenders. Maybe yeah. House as well. Don't forget about Jeff Green. I know Jeff Green gets a lot of hate, but he's actually really not that bad defensively. So he's yeah. getting a significant role over there in Houston now as well. So there's a lot of guys that they can kind of throw at Aaron Gordon. I don't see any guys that they can throw at Vucevic. So that's way I'm leaning uh and then over on the Houston side of the ball I have uh some interest in James Harden Westbrook is back in this game he sat out that last one we saw James Harden come off and get a triple double but this is just a very James Harden-esque game uh he's played well against his team earlier in the season I think he went off for one of his best games on the season I think he had 54 actual points against them on 31 shot attempts so I do have some interest. We're going to have some money to toy with if we're not spending up in other spots. So if that's the way you want to kind of approach this and you want to spend up on him, I don't mind so. And then running it back with some Vucevic makes some sense. But I touched on Jeff Green. He's one of my value options I'm going to be looking at all over. Uh, the industry is only 3,100 over there on uh, DK. He's 3,800 on FanDuel. Came out and played 29 minutes in that last game. Went 10 to 15 from the floor. Don't expect him to shoot that well again. But he started the second half uh, ahead of Ben McLemore. Um, with Eric Gordon sideline now for a significant amount of time, I expect Jeff Green to be a focal signing for them. Uh, and he's never shy to get his shot. So in his first two games, I believe, um, you know, with uh, with the Rockets, uh, it's 15, 10 shot attempts. Uh, that's something I like. So I, I have some interest in him. Very good. No, it's a good take, man. You know, for me, it's very simple in this game. I mean, you know, Vuk, I think, might be the highest owned center on the slate. It's possible. And and rightly so, I you know for several of the reasons that you just your boy, said. Your, your boy Bam on DK is going to take some ownership away from him. I know that. Uh, Bam against Washington, I expect to take. Don't forget about if you're talking on DK specifically, you're going to be talking about Aaron Baines, who's going to draw significant ownership from that six o'clock game. A lot of people chasing that. So I don't know if he's going to have as high as ownership. Uh, we also have all those guys over there in Cleveland that people are going to be gravitating towards. So. Well, I I play the most on Fanduel, and yeah. the late slate doesn't have that those early guys in it. So, and Bam is even if he was is a power forward on Fanduel. So I I think from what I 
anticipate. And again, we do this show organically before. We don't want all those numbers and stuff to affect us. Now, after when we're the show, the pod's over, we'll start looking at those numbers because you need to know ownership and everything that affects how you build your slate. So I think Vuk will be pretty chalky, but an, a reasonable chalk. I don't mm-hmm. dislike the play at all. I think, uh, you know, he, he is a little pricey, but I think he's well-deserved. And he has the potential to be uh, my starting center. He really does. I think just on the simple fact of his floor is so high in this type of a game that has such an incredible pace up. Um, I'm not going to go with Harden and Westbrook today just because I know how much Orlando is going to slow the game down. I know, And I'm so split. Like when I looked at the two of them, you can make almost an even case for taking either one. So I just... You know, I know it sounds like stupid logic. They're both great plays, you know, pick one or the other. I just I don't want to spend that kind of money. There's so many good guys that are just a net and a notch below them uh, that can, I think, help make your roster more competitive, competitive. So you don't have to, you know, take a three thousand dollar guy and force in an Iguodala or somebody or not Iguodala, but uh, Ilyasova. So. I mean, it's weird to me, you know, I, I'm not going to probably go with any rockets and that I, it could turn to bite me. Uh, but I just feel Orlando could control enough of this pace. No Jeff uh, Green left. It doesn't go crazy. No, I, I'm not quite on the green. He's too hit or miss. Great GPP guy. Not a cash guy though. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And I, you're right, absolutely let's finish, right. Let's finish out this slate, my man. We've got a nine o'clock all by itself. Hour and a half later than every other game. True late night hammer sweat game. Toronto Raptors at Sacramento Kings. We've got an uh, interesting game here. It's a five and a half point favorite Raptors road team. Uh, they are on a West Coast swing. It's a 226 and a half over under. So it's the third highest. You've got an implied total for Toronto, 116. One of my favorite teams to play this year, by the way. And the Kings, 110 and a half. Uh, uh, Pace-wise, Toronto's 13th, Sacramento 24th. Uh, Defensively, Toronto's second, so they're locking it down. Sacramento 19th, but we have all kinds of implications here. Toronto on the first night of a back-to-back on the road, and Sacramento on the second night of a back-to-back. So a lot to unpack in this game, buddy, but, you know, it could be an important game to finish out the entire slate. Yeah, and this is actually a very site-dependent game for me. So I look over on FanDuel, and I look at the pricing for all these guys over there in Toronto, and they just seem like they're all slightly underpriced. I have interest in just about everybody in the starting lineup over there on Toronto. Um, I'm probably going to have one or two of these guys in most of my lineups. I like Kyle Lowry at his price, 7,600. I like Siakam at 8,100 at his price. Uh, he played well. Both of them played well in this matchup early on. I think uh, Lowry put up about 40 fantasy points. Siakam, just about 50. Um, yep. And Siakam allows us to get some solid small forward eligibility that we generally don't find the best plays at. So, um, I, I, you know, I think both those guys absolutely in play. Norman Powell still feels slightly underpriced as well over there. I talk about shooting guards going against Sacramento on a daily basis at this point. That's 59, right. He's 5,900, so there's still a little bit of wiggle room. We've kind of been seeing that uptick in scoring. I'm not expecting Van Vliet. So I think he's a, a, a very, very uh, 
viable play as well. Those would probably be the three guys. I don't even mind Ibaka. I want to see if Marcus Saul's out. He's uh, he's actually near his, nearing his return. They said he's questionable for today's right. game. So I'm not expecting Gasol to come out here and play any big minutes, probably you know in the teens at most, but that's going to take some of that center minutes away from Ibaka. And if that's the case, you know maybe I, I ear on the side of caution with him a little bit more, but he's also in a fantastic spot. He's played well against his team. He's averaging 35 DK points in 27 minutes across two games against him this season. So I have interest in just about every Everybody in this starting lineup, even OG, if you need a small forward and you can't spend up on Siakam, he's a fair price tag. So everybody in this Toronto starting lineup is in play for me. I'll probably have one or two of those guys. And if I slide over to the other side of the ball um, and look at, you know, Sacramento, it's not the exact same feel for me. Uh, you know, they're on that second half of the back to back coming off of, you know, a uh, pretty big win. Um, but. Not not yep. as enticed as in the Sacramento guys. You know, I hit on Baysmore yesterday. Shout out to Roush. He gave me some cred on that one. I think he was 2% owned in that big That's GPP right. he took down. Yeah, he um, this isn't the exact same type of Baysmore atmosphere. So I don't know if I'll be going right back to him. If I land on him, he's still a fair price tag. I think over there on FanDuel, he's still the same exact price tag, 4300 So, you know, and actually I'm looking at my current build. I got 4300 left at small forward. He fits it properly. Um, and, you know, I don't mind leaving some money on the table if I get my Justin Holiday news and that he ends up starting like I think he might. So that's kind of the approach I'm taking in my initial build right now. But I, I, do, have, um, I do have some decent interest in him. I wouldn't mind looking at a guy like, you know, Bogdanovich. He's been playing well. He's been doing well with his minutes, kind of facilitating yeah. a little bit more. But, you know, chasing that 50-point game is a little bit tough. Not the best matchup. Darren Fox is always in play, 7,900. But, like, I prefer Lowry at $300 less. It's kind of where it comes down to for me. I don't see much more than a 5X return. And I get you can't expect much more when you're paying almost 8K for a guy. 5X is what you're looking for. Anything else is a cherry on top. But um, I'm a GPP player. And, you know, when I'm looking at just that point per dollar, you know, I see guys like Jimmy Butler at 8K falling right around that same price tag. Siakam, Lowry. There's a lot of guys I like just a little bit better than him, uh, point per dollar standpoint. I'm with you, man. I mean, this game uh, is actually easy for me. I don't want anybody on Sacramento. I don't trust their rotation on it, especially on the second night of a back-to-back against a really stout Toronto defense. So I'm not going to have any correlation in this game, but I am playing the Toronto side. Uh, two pillars for me in this game, Michael. Can you believe that? Yes, I could. I guarantee Kyle Lowry is one of them because you're just the Kyle Lowry guy. I always I, see you playing them. You love them. The the two guys I've been playing and they haven't done me dirty, man, is Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. I mean, they you talk about two guys that play all out. I mean, they play like Westbrook kind of all out, you know, Giannis kind of all out. And I and against the Sacramento team, it's going to be rotating a bunch of guys in that isn't a good defensive unit at all. Uh, I just think those two guys are going to kill it. Now, if Van Vliet and Gasol are both ruled in, and they're both, I just checked to see an update, they're both still 50-50, that may deter me uh, a little bit from both of them. I may go down to one of them. Um, I'm not going to go as deep. I think Powell, he was awesome the last game for me, man. He had 37 real points. He's such a stud. What an underrated guy he is one of the most underrated in the league, and he'd start for most teams. But Toronto is so good at finding him. Between Van Vliet, oh, they are. You, look at, you look at Van Vliet, Powell, and now we're seeing Terrence Davis. He just looks like a stud. Nick uh, Nurse is a top three coach in the league, in my opinion. Ooh, I like that. I really do. I think he's that can't, great. Can't really argue with it. I mean. Yeah. I mean, Pop has sort of lost his mind. I think he just wanders around and 
sometimes finds finds his way to the bench. I don't know what's he he baffles me with his moves. I think he is literally not the same coach that he was. And I hate to say that because, you know, I'm a basketball purist and I think he's awesome. But if I had one game to coach like the, you know, the Olympics are going this summer. Yeah. Pop, if he has the right, you know, the, all these guys coming out, they'll be just fine. Pop, I respect immensely. But if I had one game to coach right now at this stages of their career, uh, you know, Nick Nurse and Spolstra and Coach Bud, believe it or not, would probably be my top three guys that I would take just for what it's worth. I just respect those three uh, immensely in what they do out there. Anyway, to get back to this game, I, you know, I Sacramento is a pass if, uh, you know, I need to follow the news. Hopefully we'll have some of it, even though it's a late game. Uh, usually they're pretty good at getting it out. And I'm going to fire up my two best buddies for the Raptors unless, uh, like I say, we have those questionable guys rolled in with Gasol and Van Vliet. Uh, then then I got to maybe uh, pair down to one. But I like that. I like having a couple pillars in that late game just by coincidence. Again, never, never play guys because it's a national TV game. Never play guys because of what time the game is, or that's going to cause a loss. You got to play it straight up. Sometimes you're going to have a bunch of early. Sometimes you're going to have a bunch of late. It just depends on how it falls. But that's it, my man. I think we did a much better job pushing through uh, a very, very complex 11-game slate today. So I am proud proud of you, Mr. Apatria, for kicking butt on it. As always, man, it's uh, well guided by you over here. Uh, you know, always a wonderful host. Uh, nice, easy transition. So uh, kudos to you and kudos to the cup of coffee I've had this morning that kept me up for the past six hours researching both of these slates. Beautiful. Our listeners are going to be stunned. They're going to like, wait a minute, they're being nice to each other. What happened? <laughs> yeah, that's that's, 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 that's that the after show. What I've been typing in, in uh, our Discord while this is going on, it, it ain't too pretty, but that's okay. We'll talk about that later, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. I think the heat. You know I love you. All right. Uh, join us on DFSCoachTalk.com. Sign up, subscribe, jump in for a week, a month, whatever you want to do. Come join us. Great lineups, great group of people. Uh, we're having a blast doing it. Follow us all on Twitter up until lock and then jump in that Discord the last 30 minutes of the day to get things knocked out. Any final words, Michael? No, we have a full day of basketball. Buckle up, guys. Let's have fun. Let's uh, turn out some more big winners. Shout out to Roush. Always absolutely crushing the Australian market over there. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking I got to go take a trip out there, visit my Aussie brother, uh, grab that brew or uh, continue qualifying like you are, man. And you'll be stateside before you know it. We'll all be hanging out. So let's uh, let's do this, guys. Let's continue this positive momentum we've had over here in our Discord. And I'm looking forward to today's slate. Have you ever had a Foster's Lager beer? Yeah, so I learned. I, I told Coach, I've been a bartender for several years oh, now. God, I've, I've had a few people that come in from Australia, uh, you know, bartending in downtown New Haven. It's kind of like an epicenter uh, yeah. of, of like religion and cultural differences and everything like that. So I think that uh, if you call uh, Foster's of Australian beer, you'll actually get jumped in Australia. I don't think they take too kindly. So we're going to need some of our listeners to kind of give me some feedback from what I've heard from some of my, uh, my Aussie friends that used to visit me at the bar is that that's not real Australian beer. That's kind of like just saying that like, you know, Bud Light is American beer. Uh, it's, it's just very generic. It's what everybody knows, but they don't, they don't really like it that much. 
Tell me if wow. I'm wrong, guys. Maybe I'm I'll wrong. To, well, yeah, let us know, man, because I, I love Foster's Lager. I, not too many people uh, seem to drink it anymore, but I, I think it's the great. We used to get the big giant oil cans, yep. yeah, of uh, back in, in the college days. I mean, that goes way back. But uh, anyway, uh, let us know if we're if we're tout, touting this great beer of Australian. It's not really the real deal. We need to know that. Uh, anyway, I don't want to forget support Mamba on three dot org. M A M B A O N T H R E E dot org. A great great fund for the survivors families of that tragedy with Kobe. So we love you guys. We thank you for joining us for this uh, DFS Coach Talk podcast. We hope you build some winners and just cash in all over the place. For my fellow NBA pros, Micah Potry and Andrew Hansen, I am Coach. We'll look to catch you again tomorrow when we crush it in NBA DFS.